0: Sponsored by Extreme Flight in partnership with Level Aviation. Today we're at Oshkosh 2022 and I met an amazing individual and he's going to talk about an amazing project. Uh, this is Ed Warnock, CEO of the Perlin Project. Um, when I saw the aircraft in Boeing Plaza, I was like, okay, I, who, are, who are these people? Like, I want to learn more about what Perlin Project is. So I'm going to go ahead and let you talk about your. What, highest flying wingborne aircraft in human history? Like, what is that? That's exciting.
1: It is exciting. It is, uh, in fact, it, I think personally, it's the most exciting aerospace project on the planet today. Oh, absolutely. And our full name is, we are the Airbus Perlin Mission 2. Okay. We've been trying for many years and we had a Perlin 1. Okay. And the Perlin 1, they wore spacesuits and we decided that the spacesuits weren't practical. They set a glider altitude record of okay. 51,000 feet, but then as they were flying the glider, the suits kept <laughs> swelling up, they became like the Michelin man, oh and gosh. they couldn't reach the controls in the cockpit, and they envisioned the airplane that is behind us. It is a pressurized glider. Okay. Airbus became our sponsor. And so we now go by the name of the Airbus, the Mission 2. And Airbus has been our partner. And they have helped us with everything from logistics to financing. Wow. They, they let people come on our, our expeditions to Argentina where we fly.
0: Wow. So I want to talk a little bit about the, I guess, inception of the project. Like where did the concept of, okay, I'm going to take a glider and I'm going to try to go as high as I can with this glider. Like where, where did that come from?
1: Great question.
0: Uh, the founder
1: of the project was uh, originally an Air Force fighter pilot. But before he was a fighter pilot, he was a kid with, that flew gliders. And then he became a NASA test pilot. They kept flying gliders. It was, it was a hobby. So on weekends, he would fly gliders. He was doing test flying in Germany for the DLR, the, the German equivalent of NASA. Oh, okay. the German Air and Space Agency, and he saw a picture of something going on that looked like this at 80, 90, 100,000 feet, and it was posted on the bullet board, and he went in the office and he asked the, the researcher in there, what's that? And the guy said, well, that's waves high in the stratosphere. Now, Anar didn't know there were waves high in the stratosphere. He was familiar with mountain waves but those are not stratospheric waves. And he did some calculations and he said, wow, with the right glider, mm-hmm. those waves are soarable. You can soar them. So it became, and that was in the 90s, that became his passion. And he said, I'm gonna do that.
0: Wow. So he took something that was definitely a dream, a passion, and he made it a reality, obviously. Yep. Um, and you mentioned the waves. like. That was the second question I had. How do you get something like this so high up in the air? Obviously, does something have to tow? For those who are not familiar with this type of aircraft, is there another aircraft that tows it? Like, What's the process look like? Yes.
1: Uh, we originally just towed it up to the bridge height, about 10,000 feet. But at the tropopause, there's a zone between the troposphere and the stratosphere where there's a temperature inversion, okay. and the waves go weak. And we can't fly through it very often. We only got through it once every three or four years. So we decided that we needed a plane that would tow us higher. There's a company in Texas called Av Experts, and they had this incredibly unique airplane. It's called a Grove Egret, and it's got a service ceiling of 50,000 feet in the stratosphere, and it can fly slow enough to tow our glider. So it was the only airplane we know of in the world that could go high and go slow at the same time. So they became our partners.
0: Oh wow, that is amazing. I love the fact that you're you're bringing science into the equation, you're bringing, bringing engineering. There's so many components associated with this project. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit more about like the length, the statistics, let's get into the nitty gritty. Like what is the wingspan on this? What is the speed typically? Right.
1: And so the, yeah, the, the uh, I've got it all here on the cheap <laughs> card. Okay. The wingspan is eighty-four feet. Okay. We normally fly at about uh, forty-seven fifty knots when when we're wanting to be in in the wave. Okay. Our our uh, never exceed speed at altitude is uh, a true speed of two hundred and eighty knots. Okay. So we 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 have a a fairly slow speed because we're trying to fly in lift, but we have to go fast enough to keep up with the wind. And the wind up at our altitude can blow 100 miles an hour, 150 miles an hour, 200 miles an hour because we're in the polar vortex.
0: Okay, so that dictates the speed as to... <laughs> oh, and these are all great elements when you when you get into the whole STEM, uh, you know, science, technology, engineering, math, this, this involves all those, obviously aviation does, but I think what's unique about your project is it it actually gets into the science of everything, of of the Earth.
1: It does. It turns out that these waves uh, that we ride, they have at least two scientific things and one practical thing that are important. They cause the ozone hole. The waves create clouds, which in Scandinavia are called pearlin clouds. That's where we got the name ah. for the project. It means pearl or mother of pearl.
0: Yes, that And they
1: glow with with pinks and greens and blues. Okay. And you look at it and you say, oh, that looks like mother of pearl. Right. And so our project is named for those clouds. But ah. those clouds are not made up of water. They're made up of compounds of nitrogen, including nitric acid. Oh. And it's the nitric acid that reacts with the CFCs that we used in our various products, hairsprays, et cetera, that went up high into the stratosphere eventually, right. and when the nitric acid in these clouds touches the CFC, mm-hmm. it has a catalytic mm-hmm. reaction that releases pure chlorine. The pure chlorine eats the ozone. Wow. It catalyzes the ozone, and it reduces the ozone count. So our waves exist in the winter, at high latitudes the ozone hole grows in the winter at high latitudes it's caused by our waves so we're studying those the other thing is the waves mix the atmosphere they take things from down here and they carry it up where they aren't expected they also occasionally get so steep and energetic they tumble at the top Mm -hmm. and they mix the atmosphere that changes global weather patterns wow in fact weather people who are predicting the weather look at global weather models and they have to put a guesstimate in for how much mixing there is. We're getting information that will allow them to put a better number in, which means they'll get better weather forecasts. Wow! And the last thing is these waves that exist, if you fly through them in a jetliner too fast at the wrong altitude. They throw you up and down, up and down. And I've got a picture of a food cart (laughs) on top of seats in an airliner, and people then being carried off the airliner on stretches. Now, the the passengers would have said we hit terrible turbulence, but it wasn't strictly turbulence. It was smooth
0: air that you but were... going up and down so you're basically going with the flow of the yeah air. and they got
1: thrown up and down and up and down
0: and and
1: one airplane broke up in flight and crashed wow and they think that it hit these waves at too high a speed at the wrong ah, angle
0: interesting so
1: part of our research is learn about these waves yeah. when do they occur how do you predict them how could an airliner see them
0: Exactly. And that was going to be my next question. Like, what is the objective of the Perlin? Obviously, research is involved, yep. right? So different weather patterns. Yep. Uh, what else would be another?
1: Objective? Well, you mentioned one of them, innovation. Like, our pressurization is a unique system. It's passive. We just close, close the hatches yeah. and don't let any air out. Yeah. The pilot's life support system is a repurposed fireman's rebreather. Okay. So, it's technology that was developed wow. for firemen to run into smoky buildings. Okay. And we repurposed it to use in airplanes, and it's a unique design.
0: Yes. So, Never innovation.
1: Airbus is looking at innovative things. We also put things that shake the airplane in the wind spar. We can shake them at a design frequency to test if we have any flutter problems. But building the flutter system into the airplane and having a display in the cockpit that says, okay, let's test for flutter. We can see at what frequencies we have harmonics. And the harmonic means the airplane might begin to vibrate like a guitar string. Uh And if it gets too bad, it could damage structures. So these are innovations. The third thing. (laughs) And there's more. (laughs) inspire kids
0: oh yes we want
1: kids to think you know do i have to join you know a a multi-billion dollar program to do something interesting in aerospace we're volunteers yes and with a with with a minuscule budget for aerospace projects doing groundbreaking things yeah uh we've we've accomplished things and we want kids to say yes what am I curious about? What could I go do that would be fun? Right. And I don't have to have a billion dollars to go do it. I just right. need a small core of dedicated people. Right. And then I can have a partnership with somebody like Airbus yeah. that can help us with the finances, help us with some of the technical things. Yeah. But you need to get it far enough that uh, somebody like Airbus say, well, right. we see what you're talking about,
0: and you've yeah. done a proof of concept that,
1: that allows us to
0: have faith that you might be able to do it. I love it. And obviously, you are doing it. I like the fact that you're encouraging future aviators, not even av- aviators, not just that, but engineers, scientists, like even you know meteorologists. There's so many different components that are involved in this project that can help the, shape the future of aviation. Because this yep. is where it's at. This is why we do air shows. This is why we're here, to learn more about the innovative things that are out there. Um, so I definitely wanted to continue. To, I could talk to you forever. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I'm enamored with space. My husband is a big aviation and space enthusiast. Um, his father was part of the Gemini program. So this is something that definitely tugs at our heart, and I definitely want to continue to, to expose the world to the amazing things that you're doing. Um, I do have another last question before I let you go. Um,
1: oh, don't have a last <laughs> question. Let's keep talking. I know. We can keep talking. About well, okay, two
0: questions. We're going to add two questions. You mentioned you were a pilot as well, right? So I was. Yep. You were telling me an interesting story the other day. What what specifically did you do in was it South I, Africa?
1: Wasn't South Africa, it was or South was it? Sudan.
0: South Sudan. Okay.
1: I, I was I was uh, I was a bush pilot in South Sudan.
0: Okay. Yep. So, um, aviation obviously was a part of your life as well. Um.
1: Yep. Now, I wanted to be a pilot when I was before I got in high school. When yeah. I was a grade school kid. But I didn't have uh, I didn't have faith that I could afford to be a pilot and be yeah. one. So part of the the Airbus Perlin mission too is to inspire kids. Yeah. You can get in aviation. In fact, yes. to help them believe they can get into aviation, we have students in classrooms building experiments that we carry to high altitude in the airplane. Oh wow. In the CubeSat format. We've yeah. got a CubeSat bay that'll carry three CubeSats I love and we that. have schools building them. So we want we want grade school kids and high school kids not to say, someday I'm going to do something right. in aerospace, I'm
0: doing it. but
1: to say, you know, when I was a junior, I did an experiment and it went to the edge of space. Wow.
0: that And that's something that's just, when you really think about it, that really just blows your mind. Like, oh my gosh, I was involved in something that went, you know, with space and, programs. And some
1: of the kids we've worked with, we've had college interns, yeah. they're now working for companies like Airbus. Yeah. And... We were just a small part of nudging their career along right. and saying, Why don't you do something that you really love right. and something that's gonna make a difference? Right. You don't have to take the first job idea that comes along.
0: Right. No, you can actually take your time and do something that you're yeah. passionate about. So
1: we wanted to be that kind of that kind of project where people would say, Well, can I do the equivalent of Perlin? Yeah. Now whether they're interested in aviation or something else, right. but follow your passion. do something in science, have an adventure, explore.
0: Right. So you mentioned space. Is this a glider or...
1: Space. Well, it's it could be a space capsule space if capsule. you carried this to orbit and dumped it out. I mean, the crew would be happy till we ran out of oxygen, which is about eight hours. Okay, I was gonna say, what's the frame
0: like? Is it eight hours? Eight hours. So okay, it
1: would be a short journey to space. Okay, but some people have described it as a spacecraft with lighter wings.
0: I was gonna say it's a common. It's like a it's something that you see out of like science fiction films, yeah. right? We're actually yeah. living it in the moment.
1: Like we we f- we fly on wings, but we only have two percent atmospheric density. Okay, which is the same atmospheric conditions as you'd find on the surface of Mars. Wow. So this is a fixed wing airplane
0: that flies in a
1: Martian environment. So one of the other things we're doing is gathering information. Would wings work on Mars? What's their limitations? Uh, You know, how well would they work? How badly would they work? So when scientists say, well, maybe besides a helicopter, maybe there's a role, role for a fixed wing. Yes drone or something it's already here (laughs) hopefully we'll have data that they can look at and it'll save them time right because they'll build on our innovation
0: exactly so you're setting that you're stepping that next you're you're setting the ground for future the future and that's the story of innovation absolutely that's just that's amazing wow um so finally my last question i don't know how many how long you've been in the air show industry or aviation in general well who were obviously a pilot but so one thing i'm asking is what do air shows mean to you? What is the importance of air shows?
1: Well, we're we're here as the guest of Airbus. We're the Airbus Perlin Mission 2. And what it means for us is uh, first, a chance to say thank you to Airbus okay. by saying, Airbus has the highest flying airplane in the world, and so we, we right. bring it and display it. It's also a chance as we look around, there are kids and kids and kids and kids. Yeah. Those are the people that we want to get going. So part of what we have is we have behind me, Ah. we have a mock-up. Oh, I'm going to get in that. (laughs) That that is designed for kids of all ages. And again, we're hoping that a kid comes here and sees airplanes. They sit in a mock-up of an unusual airplane. And again, we're doing little micro nudges that say,
0: why don't you... Think about Why don't <laughs> you think about a career in aerospace? Why don't it. you do something fun? I absolutely love it. And that's what it's about, bringing the fun to aviation. So that's what
1: air shows mean to us. It means showing people what's accomplished because we fly in Patagonia in the wintertime. Wow. And it's and it's not highly visible to the world. Right. Now we do have a virtual cockpit that Ooh. on the internet that these like the school kids okay that build the instrument packages they can follow along and see what altitude we're at how our battery's doing what's the wind speed oh, but I love that. we're hoping that being at the air show yes kids will also sit in the cockpit and
0: say hey okay. this is what i'm gonna do i love it now for those that want to learn more about the perlin airbus perlin project what where can they go where they can they find more information
1: two good places one is just Google Perlin Project okay. and go to YouTube, and okay. we have bunches of videos up. Okay. The other is go to perlinproject.org All right. and you'll go to our website, and we have information, scientific data, blogs, things of that nature.
0: Awesome. Well, I want to thank you for your time. Thank you for educating me on the whole project. This is amazing. I, I love what you're doing. I love the community that you're bringing into this, and just it's just everything about you. Well,
1: it's, it's my honor and my pleasure. I'm honored to... Out of all the people at Oshkosh, I'd get on your list.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you. And I look forward to seeing what the next step for the project is. I'm going to be following you for those. I'll put the link for those of you following or listening. So you could follow and, and look inside the actual flight deck, it seems like. And you can actually follow along, which is amazing.
1: Yep. yep. So. It's a simulated flight, simulated flight deck, but you get, you, get yeah. you get to see instruments you get to see the altitude. And our next goal is to go to 90,000 feet.
0: Oh, okay. So we're definitely going to follow you for that next goal. Um, Well, thank you for following us on the Wonder Woman of Aviation. And thank you, Ed, for speaking with me. Uh, Until next time.